I believe in two things, discipline and the Bible. Here you'll receive both. Put your trust in the Lord. Your ass belongs to me. Welcome to Shawshank. Get busy living or get busy dying. Welcome to the season eight premiere of the Pool Scene Podcast. Allow us to reintroduce ourselves. I'm Kevin. I'm joined by my co-host, Jim. Hey, how you guys doing? Welcome back to season eight. As Martin would say on his TV show, what's up? We're arguably coming off our greatest season yet. Definitely our most eclectic season. Yeah, we were all over the place with seven. We kicked off season seven with Pulp Fiction. In covering Pulp Fiction, we had a short discussion about how it was a high-powered race for Best Picture at the 67th Academy Awards. All released in 1994, the Best Picture candidates were Forrest Gump, Pulp Fiction, Shawshank Redemption, Four Weddings and a Funeral, and Quiz Show. This is when the Academy Awards had a cutoff at five candidates per category before they expanded up to 10. So now it's like at least five up to 10. Yeah. The ones that missed the cut just missed the cut because of the hard line at five. Hoop Dreams, Lion King, and Ed Wood. We made the decision that we would cover each movie eventually and then hold our own awards episode from the five nominees. So the way I see it, best actor out of these five movies, which of these is our best picture, which of these best actress and so on. Best supporting, yeah, all stuff like that. So the second movie we are covering from the five is The Shawshank Redemption. Even though it's a classic, it actually didn't win a single Oscar. And this movie wasn't even nominated for Best Picture at the Golden Globes. Blows my mind. Which Golden Globes just happened, we're recording on on a Monday, Golden Globes happened yesterday on Sunday. They were not televised. I was wondering because there was no buzz about it. It's an issue because of all of the voters, there's not one single black person. Ooh. And so basically, I think the network, I think NBC said, till you fix this. Yeah, we're done here. We're done here. So, yeah, so they didn't. Then again, the Golden Globes doesn't really fucking matter. No, Golden Globes have a history of kind of being a template to the Oscars. Sort of, but they've been wildly off in the past. They have been. So I think that they're always nervous because I think that they probably want to nominate things that they think will be up for Oscars. The only thing that I know about the Golden Globes that I've watched in the past is always more loose. Yeah. The alcohol flows, yes. Ricky Gervais, stuff like that. Yeah, the, the Golden Globes aren't as much of an indicator of the Oscars as the like film festival. Yeah. The Shawshank Redemption was directed by Frank Darabont and was the only Best Picture nominee that year that wasn't accompanied by a Best Director nomination. However, Darabont was still an awesome director. This was... Only the second feature movie that he had directed, previously he had written Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors, The Blob remake from 88, and The Fly 2. Ugh, Eric Stoltz. After Shawshank, he went on to direct The Green Mile, The Majestic, and The Mist, which is also Stephen King. But Darabont is best known for creating, writing, and directing The Walking Dead television series before being fired by AMC. When did he get shit canned? Because I think that's after the, the first season. Okay, that's when it started going downhill. The rumor for firing Darabont was that he couldn't keep production on schedule. However, it was later confirmed by both Darabont himself and AMC they wanted twice as many episodes for 80% of the cost. Oh. So they basically, the budget it took him to make six episodes, they were like, okay, 80% of that for 12 episodes, Okay, which is ridiculous. That's nuts. The first season of Walking Dead was the highest ratings that AMC ever had. It was amazing that first season. And they should have allowed them to spend whatever they wanted. But anyway, they fired Darabont. Which in the end, probably a good choice. Yeah, and uh, despite Darabont being a good writer, Shawshank Redemption was adapted from the work of another great writer, Stephen King, as I mentioned, uh, based on a short story. The same collection of short stories that produced The Body, which led to Stand By Me, the movie. Speaking of which, Rob Reiner directed Stand By Me. He loved Darabont's script so much for Shawshank Redemption that he offered him somewhere between two and a half and three million dollars for it. Rob Reiner wanted to direct with Harrison Ford as Red, Tom Cruise as Andy. Oh, hmm. That was Castle Rock Entertainment's preference as well for Rob Reiner to direct with Cruise on board. 
To sweeten the offer, Castle Rock told Frank Darabont that if he took the deal, they would finance any other movie he wanted to make. Darabont considered it, but he knew that he had a chance at something great if he stayed at the helm. This was a gamble not to take that deal and the money because Castle Rock, they could have fired him. They could have let him like direct the movie for two weeks and then been like, you're fired. Then they could have hired Rob Reiner with Darabont's script, you know, so... It was a big gamble, but it paid off. I couldn't imagine Harrison Ford being red. He's just always been that grumpy or Indiana Jones well, type. Red is Irish in the book. Okay. Like uh, a white guy. And it's funny because there is actually a joke in the movie where Andy asks Red, why do they call you Red? And he says, maybe I'm Irish. Red. Name's Red. Red. Why do they call you that? Maybe it's because I'm Irish. Or Perfect. because I'm Irish or whatever. That's a nod to okay. basically he might as well say because I'm Irish in the book. Honestly, I could talk for an hour about production stuff with this one. But instead of that, Jim, please give us budget, box office, and news at the time of release. The Shawshank Redemption, one of the greatest movies of all time, definitely on my top five list, came out on September the 23rd, 1994, to a $25 million budget. The majority of this was filmed at the Mansfield Reformatory, yep. which, fucking awesome. And in Sandusky, St. Croix, other area around Mansfield. Yeah, yeah so other- what's great is it's a lot of Ohio roots in this movie. I yeah. mean, Maine was the fictional area for it, but it took place here in Ohio, and it ended up making... 58 million dollars yeah. which you're like it lost money and it honestly only made that much because of after the film festivals and awards yeah. and stuff it got a re-release yeah because it earned only 16 million during its initial yeah. theatrical run many reasons were as the movies we've already pulp fiction gump plus the unpopularity of prison films its lack of female characters, and even the title, which was considered to be confusing for audiences. Oh, I'll get into that in a moment. Yeah, which I'm interested to hear you say it. Over 320,000 VHS rental copies were shipped throughout the country, and on the strength of its award nominations and word of mouth, it became one of the top video rentals of 1995. The broadcast rights were acquired following the purchase of Castle Rock by Turner Broadcasting System. Oh, I have more about that, too. Oh, this is going to be good. I can't it's wait for you to hear it. So, speaking of movie rentals, your top three at Blockbuster at this time were... Blockbuster Video! Wow! What a difference! A movie we covered, PCU. Can you blow me where the pampers are? It was on anything to do with your penis! Speaking of, Serial Mom, All right. which is a weird movie. Very weird movie. There's a really good video store scene in Serial Mom. Yes, there is. The Sandlot and Blue Chips tied for third. Sandlot, Sandlot, Sandlot. Sandlot. What else happened in the news? Kevin, the jury selection begins for the O.J. Simpson trial. Uh, Boy, that really didn't turn out the way we wanted it to. But something that turned out for one Jackson Pinckney, Kevin, are you familiar with Jackson Pinckney? He was awarded $487,000 for being partially blinded by Jean-Claude Van Damme during filming of Cyborg. I would take that. (laughs) Whoops. I can't see. Ah, He was doing a dance at Kaduro. Was he showing him? He was like, this is what I did in Bloodsport. Yeah. And he threw powder in his face. (laughs) People that used to yell a lot, too, also were on ER, which premiered on NBC along with Friends this time in 1994. Friends sucks but er was amazing er is great however went way too long way crazy 15 seasons at least it's not as bad as Grey's anatomy no, which ER has been is around the precursor to Grey's anatomy which has been around for 80 years Grey's anatomy has had like bus crash plane crash volcano terrorist attack can you just kill ellen pompeo and just end the show already yeah, that's I mean, what if i'm her i'm like no i'm living forever because <laughs> they're paying her probably 15 million dollars a season which is fucking nuts this is season number eight We need to welcome somebody back into the fold. Welcome back, buddy. Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael, and welcome to The Sports Machine. George is back for sports. Welcome back, George, for season number eight. Major League Baseball team owners vote to cancel the remainder of the 1994 season, as well as the World Series, for only the second time in history, continuing labor dispute with the Players Association. Could have been the Montreal Expos year. That was what everybody thought it was going to be. Plus, the Indians started making a run, too. And, of course, 
95, the Indians made it to the World Series. Speaking of Cleveland, Tom Tupa. Here's a little Ooh, trivia for you guys. Tom I have some, Tupa trivia, some Tom Tupa trivia for you, too. Scores the first two-point conversion in NFL history, running in a fake extra point attempt for the Cleveland Browns and a 28-20 win at Cincinnati. When I was in college, there was a, a pizza joint on campus, and uh, we always used to go and order pizzas and sometimes drink beer before class like a bunch of fucking degenerates. And I would tell them the name. Tom Tupa. Every time I ordered a pizza, they'd say, what's your name? I'd say Tom Tupa. Really? And they'd always say, Tom, you don't have to give us your last name. We just need to know Tom. So then I'd have to sit there like an asshole and wait to hear just the name Tom. <laughs> Which, But why Tom Tupa? Like, is I, it- I don't know. Cleveland punter. I don't just Tom Tupa. The number one movie in America at this time. Speaking of Jean-Claude Van Damme. Time Cop. Whoa. For two weeks. Number one movie, Time Cop. Time Cop might be a movie we have to cover on this show because it is an interesting movie that absolutely makes zero sense whatsoever. Yeah. And the number one song, Kevin, I'm going to make you guess it. The number one song for this time in 1994. Take a guess. Ainy Kamozi, Here Comes the Hot Stepper. Nope. Give you another one. I have no idea. Actually, Ainy Kamozi was two months after this, was number one for two weeks. Really? Was. I was pretty close then because I. The week before that, on bended knee, and before Ooh. that, for fucking ever, was Boys to Men, I'll Make Love to You. All right. I'll make love to you like you want me to, and I'll hold you Which, oh my God, being in junior high, the song dedications for that individual song were through the roof. Kid that age like me, I don't know what that meant. I'll make love to you. I didn't know it meant sex. Are you kidding? I had no idea. I thought it was a kiss thing. Well, I if you played Karaoke Revolution on the Man, Xbox. It was, it was on that? Yeah. It was, so they had I'll make love to you, which you could sing. Except there's a lyric that says, in the real song, throw your clothes on the floor. I'm going to take, take my, my clothes, clothes off, off too. too. Well, the game was like whatever the rating system was for everyone. Yeah. So the lyrics were throw your rose on the floor. I'm going to take my rose off too, which is more confusing than anything. Sounds like something they would do on kids bop, but we have talked about it on the show. Listen to the Nelly hot and her kids bop version. You'll cringe. Some of the kids bop songs. Why did they even attempt? I have no clue why. Do they have uh too close by next on kids bop? Did they do freaky Friday? Yeah. <laughs> Because I can only imagine what they would have thrown in for that. But Kevin, there was so much going on this time in 94. But this was just the tip of the iceberg. All right. Which is a precursor to the Titanic movie coming out. Yeah. Which Kevin is looking forward to covering one of these days. Yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah. 100th two episode. Two VHS. Two VHS. <laughs> How days. great would that be if we double pack Titanic? <laughs> <laughs> And with that said, part two of Titanic next week. Get ready, everybody. So Morgan Freeman actually thinks that Shawshank Redemption did so poorly in America because of the title that it just like what the slapstick, you know, like, what is it? It's just it's too long. Well, like I told you, I saw this initially during lockdown, so I'd never seen it before. So my initial thought, Shawshank was the name of the prison. It was Shawshank Penitentiary. Right. So, yeah, it just I could see even, you know, you understand what it is. It's still the Shawshank Redemption doesn't exactly roll off the top. That's like the redemption of the prison. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah i mean it's so this movie seemingly had a different title in every country where it was released so after God. translation some of them are rita hayworth just rita hayworth that's it because the name of short story is rita hayworth and shawshank redemption a world outside wings of freedom walls of hope the escapees last exit colon rita hayworth <laughs> that one's crazy that sounds like a porn title dreams of freedom price of captivity So all of them kind of translated to this like prison theme. However, my absolute favorite in Taiwan, the Shawshank Redemption was released with the title 1995 Fantastic, (laughs) which made Taiwanese audiences think this was like an action movie. 1995 Fantastic. Fantastic. Yes. 
Before we move on, I just want to say this is a pretty damn good movie. If you haven't seen it, don't let me and Jim spoil it for you. No. Go watch it. Come back and listen after. You have our permission. We love you listening to the podcast, but go watch the movie first. Come back and then listen. It's When, cur- when the movie gets put into the Library of Congress, that's how you know it's amazing. It's currently streaming on HBO Max, and because of a deal where Ted Turner, Ted Turner bought Castle Rock Entertainment in 1993 then he sold the movie to himself at tnt for almost nothing for that reason this movie's still on cable constantly because the rights are extremely cheap the movie being on television so often led to its folklore of becoming such a beloved film because i have a ton of these movies growing up where it's like if it's on cable all the time watch it you're eventually going to watch it and then you're going to know it and it's just going to become ingrained in you so basically this movie can be purchased for like nothing to show on cable. Easy way to fill up, you know, three, three and a half, four hour block. Especially with commercials, yeah. yeah it's two, two hours, 20 minutes plus commercials. So let's dig a tunnel into the plot. A banker named Andy Dufresne is convicted of murdering his wife and her lover in Portland, Maine in 1947. Convicted and sentenced to two consecutive life sentences in Shawshank State Prison. In prison, he's befriended by an inmate named Red, also serving a life sentence. Red is a smuggler and can get about anything. It's an item like this you to go for. Seven dollars in a rock and gem shop. My normal markup is 20%. But this is a specialty item. Risk goes up, price goes up. It's making it even 10 bucks. 10 it is. He gets Andy a rock hammer and a poster of Rita Hayworth. Early on, Andy is frequently sexually assaulted by a gang named the Sisters. Mm-hmm. So when we watched this, Dana missed like the subtext that he's actually being raped by the Sisters, not just like beaten. Andy begins helping some of the guards with money and tax help. In exchange, after Andy is nearly killed by the sisters, one of the guards beats and cripples the leader of the sisters and has him transferred to another prison. Hadley. Hadley, yeah. Andy is then given a job at the library, but it's only a front for his tax and money services for the warden and other prison employees. I'm Deacons. I was, uh... Thinking about maybe setting up some kind of trust fund for my kids' educations. Oh, I see. Well, um, why don't we have a seat and talk it over? Essentially, he's laundering money for the warden under the name Randall Stevens. Genius. Put an earmark on that name. Throughout the movie, there's other prisoners who come and go. One is Brooks, who Andy works with in the library. Brooks Uh, is paroled but hangs himself because he can't adjust to life outside prison. Love Brooks. Another is Tommy Williams. Andy helps Tommy. Well, he tries to help him get his GED. He probably does eventually. So Andy took Tommy under his wing started walking him through his ABCs. Tommy took to it pretty well, too. Boy found brains he never knew he had. Before long, Andy started him on his course requirements. He really liked the kid. Gave him a thrill to help a youngster crawl off the shit heap. Tommy tells Andy and Red a year later that his cellmate at a previous prison is actually responsible for the murders that Andy was convicted for. After Andy's already served at this time, what, seven? Or was this, he was on year 19 with this, right? Yeah. Somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah, I think so. They go to the warden with this information, but he refuses to listen. Andy threatens to reveal the illegal money. The warden then puts Andy in solitary and has Tommy killed by Hadley. After working with Brooks, Andy has spent the last several years improving the library by writing to Congress. I mention this because when Andy refuses to launder money any longer, the warden threatens to destroy the library, to remove Andy's guard protection from the sisters, and to move him to someplace unfathomable. After Andy is released from two months of solitary, which is fucking crazy. I, no way. It's, oh my God. He's pissing and shitting all over himself, too. Red is worried about Andy's well-being. Andy asked another inmate for six feet of rope. He tells Red he dreams of living in a coastal town in Mexico called Zihuatanejo. Andy also gives Red some instructions that if he's ever released, go dig up a package that Andy has buried in Buxton, Maine. Promise me, Red. If you ever get out, find that spot. Face of that wall, you'll find a rock that has no earthly business in a main hayfield. 
piece of black volcanic glass. There's something buried under it I want you to have. What in What's buried under there? You'll have to pry it up to see. The next day at roll call, Andy's gone. Bye-bye. There's only an empty cell with all of his things. The warden is pissed and throws a rock at a Raquel Welch poster in Andy's cell. Actually, no, it was Raquel Welch because yeah. Rita, yes. Marilyn, Raquel. Yeah, so it is a Raquel Welch poster. The rock rips through and reveals a tunnel that Andy has dug with his rock hammer over the past 19 years. Andy escaped through the tunnel and broke open some sewage pipes. He used a rope because, so he took the evidence of the warden laundering the money and he put it in a bag and he tied that bag to his ankle. But Red thought he was going to hang himself. Yes, absolutely. Andy then poses as Randall Stevens. That's the name. I love it. And withdraws over $370,000 from several banks. Mr. Stevens visited nearly a dozen banks in the Portland area that morning. All told, he blew town with better than $370,000 of Warden Norton's money. Severance pay for 19 years. He then mails proof of corruption and murders at Shawshank to the newspaper. When police arrive to arrest the warden, he kills himself. He shoots himself. The next year, Red is paroled after serving 40 years. He's struggling to adjust outside. He remembers his promise to Andy and visits Buxton where Andy told him Red finds money and a letter telling him to come to Zuatanejo. The movie ends with Red finding Andy on a beach in Mexico, and that scene almost didn't happen. It's the perfect ending, too. The original cut of this movie had Red on the bus, and it ended. Oh, that would have been bullshit. Because the whole theme of the movie is hope. So you have to draw your own conclusion. So you have to draw your own conclusion, but Uh. it's like, so, but somebody was like, listen, If we're going to give him the hope of it happening, what's it going to hurt to just show it? The look on Red's face of joy, and then you see Andy see Red, and it's pulling out. The camera's withdrawing, and you see them hugging, and it fades to black. It's perfect. Yes. All right, let's talk about characters. Tim Robbins as Andy Dufresne. This role was offered to someone else, and it's extremely interesting for multiple reasons. There's just... We're going to get into it. I'm saving it as our critical question. All right. It was also offered, you know, there's mystery person. It was also offered to Kevin Costner, who passed. Tom Cruise wouldn't do it if Darabont directed, but he would have done it if it was Rob Reiner. And Morgan Freeman claims to be the one to suggest Tim Robbins, which is good and Very interesting. Morgan Freeman as Ellis Boyd Red Redding. Clint Eastwood, Harrison Ford, Paul Newman, Gene Hackman. Robert Redford, Robert Duvall were considered. At least they had the age bracket right. All great. All those people are great. Oh, tremendous. Darabont had Freeman in mind the entire time. Someone it wasn't offered to was someone who was fucking desperate to do it. Like, you had Rob Reiner desperate to direct and like all of these weird things, but this person wanted it so bad. Charlie Sheen called an executive at Castle Rock and said, quote, I'll do this film for fucking scale, which is... It's the union minimum. Yeah. He would have worked for like 50 bucks a day. He even filmed his own 30-minute test reel with him as Red. Maybe not Red, but I could see Tiger Blood Chuck Sheen play Andy. Or I could see him as Tommy. Yeah. Very small role. Tommy would be great. He'd be perfect for Tommy. I could see him. I mean, I honestly can see Charlie Sheen in this universe. I could too. Maybe not as as Andy. Definitely not as Red. But But Tommy. Fantastic. At scale. Perfect. Bob Gunton as Samuel Norton. Uh, Warden again. William Sadler as Haywood. Clancy Brown as Byron Hadley. God damn, I love Clancy Brown. He's so good. Gil Bellows as Tommy Williams. This role, written for Brad Pitt, but there were scheduling conflicts. I wonder what that conflict could have been. I don't know. James Whitmore as Brooks Hatlin. Mark Ralston as Boggs, offered to James Gandolfini, the leader of the sisters. Oh. He turned it. He passed. Good. And John Favreau auditioned to play the role of fat ass. I can now, see you that. You gotta think this is right off of PCU. Yeah. So John Favreau auditioned to play fat ass. This would have been after Rudy too. He said it was the worst audition he ever had. And he was so embarrassed by it that he vowed to get in shape. And fat ass wasn't even that big of a role. It was a tiny role. That was it. It's like one scene. No one else I really want to mention. What actor? Well, we can kind of skip what actor, actress, because past were forced because everybody's uh, fantastic. Yeah. And I don't think 
that anyone is really there's no standouts because everybody is a standout it's so good so we'll, we'll skip that let's move to best scenes find out which scenes made a splash and which are our favorites i will say right up top this isn't really lumped in as one but one of the reasons this works so well, it's the ultimate bromance movie. A non-sexual hetero friendship that lasts a lifetime. It's excellent. That is the appeal of this movie. It's excellent. It's truly a lifelong friendship movie. And then if we think about it, at the time in which this movie took place, white guy and a black guy being best friends. I'm actually shocked within the parlance of this movie that a race issue was never brought up or even directed upon, yeah. which I'm glad it wasn't because I think that could have taken the movie somewhere it didn't no, need to go. No, it's great. It is absolutely fantastic. They don't even mention that it's weird. It's they excellent. Don't, they, like, which it's it's not weird, but they don't mention it all like, I was a black man and he was a white man. It's just, you know. Just, I love it. It is as, as it is. Go ahead and give it your, your first best scene. I have a I have a good amount of scenes here, but the thing that tops it off, number one for me, my first scene, not saying it's the best scene, Andy making the tax deal with Hadley on top of the roof. That's my first one, too. You better start making sense. If you want to keep all that money, give it to your wife. The IRS allows a one-time only gift to your spouse for up to $60,000. Oh, shit. Tax-free? Tax-free. IRS can't touch one cent. You're that smart banker would kill his wife, aren't you? Why should I believe a smart banker like you? So I can end up in here with you? It's perfectly legal. Go ask the IRS. They'll say the same thing. Actually, I feel stupid telling you this. I'm sure you would have investigated the matter yourself. Yeah, fucking A. I don't need no smart wife-killing banker to tell me where the bear's sitting the buckwheat. Of course not. But you do need someone to set up the tax-free gift for you, and it'll cost you. A lawyer, for example. Bunch of ball-washing bastards. I suppose I could set it up for you. That would save you some money. If you get the forms, I'll prepare them for you. Nearly free of charge. I'd only ask three beers apiece for each of my co-workers. Andy arranges, basically Red pulls a few strings so that- It helps to know when you're in the know. Yeah, so they're going to resurface the roof of the prison. They're going to retar the roof. Red pulls some strings to get, it's like Andy and all their other buddies, that duty. It's He even says something like, it's May, not a bad time to be outside. Yeah. But Andy almost gets thrown off the roof. He does. Because he, he like, he overhears Hadley talking about how he's inherited this, what, $375,000? And he's only going to get 35000 of it. Or, yeah, maybe it's whatever it is. No, yeah. it was a lump sum, but that was his cut, yeah. was thirty five. And he, and so basically, Andy stops working, a cardinal sin, walks up to Hadley and tells him. What would your wife think or do, something? Do you trust your wife? Yeah. Oof. And he's like, what? He's going to throw him off the roof. And he goes, because you can do a one-time gift, give it to your wife, and the government cannot touch it. And he saves them. Yes. So in exchange for doing that, his fee is that he wants three beers for him and each of his friends who are redoing the roof. So the second to last day of the job, they sit there and they drink three ice cold beers each. Andy doesn't even drink. He sits in the shade. I mean, they the guy who plays, and I'm sorry, I forget his name. All I know him for is Colonel Stewart from Die Hard 2. He goes over and offers some of it. As for Andy... He spent that break hunkered in the shade, a strange little smile on his face, watching us drink his beer. Hey, want a cold one, Andy? No, thanks. Gave up drinking. In red doing the narration with Andy with that smile on his face, and he goes, he goes, Hanover, here you go, Andy. And he goes, I don't drink. I gave it up. And yeah. he's just smiling because he sees his friends. Yeah. And Red says it. it's probably because he just wanted to feel normal. And you have to remember, Andy's been raped. He's yeah. been beaten to an inch of his life, but he takes it every day. And here was this one moment where he realized there's a bigger picture going on here. We can start doing things for one another and we can look after one another. But this was the moment where Andy Dufresne made his friends. So I have Andy's library. Dear Mr. Dufresne, in response to your repeated inquiries, the state has allocated the enclosed funds for your library project. This is $200. In addition, the library district has generously responded with a charitable donation of used books and sundries. We trust this will fill your needs. We now consider the matter closed. Please stop sending us letters. I want all this cleared up before the warden gets back. Yes, sir. Good for you, Andy. It only took six years. 
which isn't really one scene, but more of a collection of scenes. Andy sends letters to the Senate once a week for six years. Persistence. Because he's trying to get funding for the library. Finally, they come through, they send a check for $200. And used books. And some used books. So they ask him to stop writing letters, which is his cue to begin writing two letters a week. Eventually, the Senate gives him $500 a year. And then Andy makes deals with like book clubs and used books and all of these other things. They end up getting the best prison library in New England. It's tremendous. And to top it all off, he named it after Brooks. Yeah, that's that's like the part. It's It's the best. Yeah. But speaking of Brooks, I also love Red is out in the yard with the guys and he talks about Brooks being institutionalized. Yeah. Brooks ain't no bug. It's just. It's just institutionalized. Institutionalized my ass. The man's been in here 50 years, Hayward. 50 years. This is all he knows. In here, he's an important man. He's an educated man. Outside, he's nothing. Just a used-up con with arthritis in both hands. Brooks is not going to be able to survive out there. This is He's been in for 50 years. This is all he knows. Yeah. And as we see inevitably, Brooks kills himself because yeah. he's scared to be out there. He knows nobody. He's nobody, period. In prison, he was an educated yeah. man. He was somebody. He had responsibility. He was respected. That's what hurts the most, and that's why I love Oh, there's a more Brooks. hurtful deleted scene, which Frank, Bar- Frank Darabont did not include deleted scenes on any version of this because for some reason he was embarrassed of them. I don't know why. But one of the deleted scenes that's heartbreaking to read about is that so we see Brooks outside feeding birds and hoping that Jake because while he he found a baby crow in the prison and he nursed it back and he nursed it back to health and literally became his companion. And then right as he was released, he let Jake fly out of the prison. Well, He hopes that Jake will come visit him. In a deleted scene, when they're out working one day in the field, they find Jake dead in the field. That's too much. And it's, yeah, it's it's not necessary. Like, it's heartbreaking enough. We don't need to... You don't need that. Double down. So, obviously, the escape. 1966, Andy Dufresne escaped from Shawshank Prison. All they found of him was a muddy set of prison clothes, a bar of soap, and an old rock hammer, damn near worn down to the nub. I remember thinking it would take a man 600 years to tunnel through the wall with it. Old Andy did it in less than 20. Andy has been using a rock hammer to dig a tunnel behind his poster for 19 years. And when we get the reveal of this, it's honestly one of the best things is that it shows how he was doing it. So he noticed how easily the wall chips away. Yeah. So then he's been just chipping away a little bit at a time. Using the same pick. Using the same rock hammer, which in the book, I think it's two different rock hammers or something. He replaces it over time. He has to dig the entire tunnel. And then once he digs the tunnel, he has to break open a sewer pipe and then crawl through 500 yards of sewage but timing the slam of the rock to break the pipe to thunder yes exactly they did this genius filmmaking thing props to frank darabont where throughout the movie andy just looks more and more beaten down and tired and you think if you haven't seen this movie you don't know where or if you haven't had it spoiled you don't know where it's going so you think that andy's just like beaten down worn out from prison he's been there it's taken a toll on him but actually it's because andy has been staying up while everyone else is sleeping andy is awake digging his tunnel so basically for 19 years andy has been operating on only as much sleep as he allows himself because he's been digging a tunnel. My next one is after Andy gets the response back to get the library funded with the used books and the $200 a week in celebration, Hadley tells him, I want this shit out of here. Yeah. The other, the other guard who is genuinely happy that Andy got it, but he can't show his cards. Andy. So he's taking a shit, which not to make fun of my girlfriend here, but this is the first time she ever heard pinching a loaf. loaf. She didn't know what that meant. She's like, what's that mean? I was like, he's taking a shit. That's he pinch off a loaf. Yeah. No idea. I digress. So as he's in there taking a shit, Andy starts playing music and it's operatic. Yeah. Andy. I have no idea to this day what those two Italian ladies were singing about. Truth is, I don't want to know. Some things are best left unsaid. 
But of course, you know, they break into the door yeah. and he gets put into the hole for two weeks. After Andy comes out, they're sitting there in a the cafeteria and he talks about how music has correlation with hope. Oh, it's fantastic. Lost interest in it, though. Didn't make much sense in here. Here's where it makes the most sense. I need it so you don't forget. Forget? Forget that there are places in the world that aren't made out of stone, that there's a, there's something inside that they can't get to, that they, they can't touch. It's yours. What are you talking about? Hope. It's not heart-wrenching, but fuck. You just get put in this moment where it's like, that's right. Yeah, it's they all kind of, like, it. Red kind of says, like, well, I've given up on music because I'm in here. They're not allowed and to hear music. And that's when Andy says, well, now it means more than ever. It's funny, not funny, but it's funny in a way that I can't remember exactly what it is, but the opera that he plays is actually a story that mirrors Andy's. It's about, like, a lover who kills someone's mistress or something. It is, like, literally a... Oh, it's perfect. Yeah, it's the story it's of... It's point for point. Yeah. When Red gets paroled, and it's almost a mirror of when Brooks was paroled. Yeah, I have this They too. get the same job. They live in the same apartment. But instead of following in Brooks' footsteps, because Red, we sense, is getting, getting there. Yeah. But the reason Red doesn't is because of his promise to meet up with Andy. Terrible thing to live in fear. Brooks Adeline knew it. Knew it all too well. All I want is to be back where things make sense where I won't have to be afraid all the time. Only one thing stops me. A promise I made to Andy. And he still carved into the beam. Red was here. Well, Brooks was here. And then, so was Red. Yeah, so was Red. So it's, yeah, it's pretty fascinating that uh, he is saved by his promise to Andy. He gets something that he's never had in prison. Something that Andy gave to him was hope. Andy always had hope. Everybody else in Shawshank lost hope. Yeah. Andy's gift to Red was to give him something to look forward to, which, as we said, the movie almost ended with Red on a bus and not knowing where he's going. Yeah. So I understand why they would have done that because the theme of the movie is hope. But in actuality, you have to see the reunion. But what's great about this, too, the one scene where you think after this, Red's going to he's going to hang himself when he asks his boss at the grocery store to take take a piss yeah and he's like i've asked to take a piss my entire life it's yeah fuck, yeah you know and then you're like you see the desk set up in the hotel room and he's gonna do it but he doesn't because he's like had a promise for andy and i'm mm -hmm. not gonna do it thank god he met andy because he would have would have offed himself my next one in the library andy explains to red all the shit he's doing to screw over the warden oh yeah mr stevens has a birth certificate driver's license social security number you're shitting me if they ever trace any of those accounts, they're gonna wind up chasing a figment of my imagination. Well, I'll be damned. Did I say you were good? Shit, you are Rembrandt. You know, the funny thing is, on the outside, I was an honest man, straight as an arrow. I had to come to prison to be a crook. But you don't know yet what he set up for accounts is what he's going to use when he gets out. Yes. That's what's so fucking genius. He's running the long con on the audience. Which is amazing because yeah. Red's even like, you got to watch what you're doing. He's like, no, this is foolproof. This person doesn't exist. They don't exist. They have their own birth certificate, their own passport, their own social security number. It's untraceable. Yeah, says, we'll be fine. You'd be surprised what you can do through the mail. That's what's so good about this movie. It's little baby steps to yeah. set up, set up everything to give you the great ending at the end. Yes. And, you know, even without the payoff, like if you just turn this on and you don't get to sit down and watch the whole movie, it's still a good movie. It is. I agree. But all the ind ingredients individually are great. It's a great cheese, a great cut of protein. It's a great, everything is great, great ingredients. But when you put them together... That's when you get, you it's know. It's a masterpiece. Yes. Any other scenes you want to mention? I have a couple. I'll mention real quick. Okay. Where Tommy reveals to Andy and Red that he knows who killed his wife. About six months left to go. Get a new cellmate in. Elmo Blatch. Big, twitchy fucker. Kind of roomy you pray you don't get. You know what I'm saying? Six to 12, armed burglary. Said he pulled hundreds of jobs. Hard to believe how strong as he was. He cut a loud fart. He jumped three feet in the air. Talked all the time, too. That's the other thing. He never shut up. 
places he'd been, jobs he pulled, women he fucked, even people he killed. Yeah, the guy in prison where he was laughing about it. Yeah. And then inevitably, as we said, he got sniped. The one thing that kind of made me tear up a bit where Andy tells Red, hey, remember this. You're going to find this tree where I asked my wife to marry me. There's going to be an, a volcanic rock. Yeah. When Red finally gets out and he goes to that rock and he finds it, he was going to do this for me after all. It's like Red knew he really cared about Andy. This was the moment, you know, he leaves him some money for a bus ticket. That scene alone where he reads that note. Dear Red. If you're reading this, you've gotten out. And if you've come this far, maybe you're willing to come a little further. You remember the name of the town, don't you? Sewatanejo. I could use a good man to help me get my project on wheels. I'll keep an eye out for you and the chessboard ready. Remember, Red, hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things. And no good thing ever dies. I will be hoping that this letter finds you and finds you well. Your friend, Andy. In Andy's voice, I kind of choked up a bit. Like you said, throughout this whole movie, none of them have hope except Andy. This was the first time where Red can believe in hope. Yes. This was the moment. Well, this is also a moment of TMI because... Andy tells Red that they fucked there. Yeah. He wow. says, this is, it's right at the spot where me and my wife made love. So in my mind, is Red's it, picking up a this, compile? Red's picking up this little lunchbox and he's like, oh, they had sex here. Yeah. Yeah, anymore? Yeah, the only thing I wanted to mention is this this movie has a lot of Christian allegories and, and themes of hope, as we've mentioned. Zawatanejo represents this idea of heaven or paradise. And the idea is that when Andy finally admits to Red that he feels responsibility for his wife's death. I killed her, Red. I didn't pull the trigger. But I drove her away. And that's why she died, because of me, the way I am. I don't make you a murderer. Bad husband, maybe. Feel bad about it if you want to, but you didn't pull the trigger. So even though he, he didn't, didn't pull do the trigger, he feels responsible because he drove her away. He, he drove a, her into the arms of another lover. But even Red said, it's because you're a bad husband, it... You know. Yeah, right. But so it's not until Red or until Andy admits that, that he gets to go to Zawatanejo. And Red, when he gets paroled and ultimately what leads him to Zawatanejo is that he admits he cannot save himself or truly atone for his crimes. Because when they take him to his parole hearing after 40 years, he's like, he's fed I up. don't fucking care. He's like, I can't. You know, I've sat in here trying to think of what's and he's like, I can't. Well, the past two parole hearings at his 10 and his 20 and his 30, he says the same thing over and over again. He gets denied yeah. parole. So it's it's not until they both have these um moments of of like epiphany yeah letting something off of their chest that they're finally able to reach that freedom so sort of in a way like giving yourself to christ and with that said pool check we are going to do a mount rushmore so i'm gonna do a mount rushmore of tim robbins jim's gonna do a mount rushmore of morgan freeman i didn't think it was fair to do half robbins half freeman yeah it's not probably right. could have but they both have pretty sizable uh, you know filmographies so we will sculpt again i will sculpt tim robbins jim will sculpt morgan freeman and then we can critique each other's or, or tell each other where i we, mean could we, we easily could... say that shawshank's on both of ours yeah shawshank is okay. on both so we so we have three then. so we have three each Okay, go so ahead. My first Tim Robbins entry is playing Nuke Lelouch in Bull Durham. Damn straight. Tim Excellent. Robbins, this was like a breakthrough. I mean, he had been in a ton of stuff, but Bull Durham is like a breakthrough. I think this is where he met Susan Sarandon too, yeah. was Bull Durham. Yeah, it's a great movie. So my other than Shawshank, of course, playing Crazy Joe Clark's Lean On Me. Yep. It's the first time I was ever exposed to Morgan Freeman this was is, this movie. And this is like the type of role that Morgan Freeman came to be known for for a while. And he studied who uh, Joe Clark's real person. Yeah. He was a principal in Patterson. He hit it to a T. Love it. Reverend Slappy. My Xbox gamer tag. So my next Tim Robbins is a movie for which he won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. It's Mystic River, which is one of those like uh, almost... Hannibal Lecter sort of things where he's not really in Mystic River that much. I mean, he, he is, he's an essential character, but he doesn't get a ton of screen time, but what he does 
It's a stand-up. It's the stand-up. It's fantastic. So I still need to see that. You should watch it. It's it's really great. So super, my, super sad. So my next, speaking of super sad, my next Morgan Freeman by far playing Detective Somerset in Seven. Yeah. I mean, come on. He's the grizzly old, he's a grizzled old veteran dealing with Brad Pitt, which wouldn't that be weird if Brad Pitt was in Shawshank? Yeah. Yeah. And then he'd work with Brad Pitt again. But he's basically a Danny Glover guy. He's about ready to retire, yep. and all this shit just fires off. John Doe has the upper hand. Don't look in that box. <laughs> it's so good. My last Tim Robbins Mount Rushmore entry. So this is a, a little bit of a cop-out. There's about, as all these serious Tim Robbins roles that are so great, Tim Robbins at heart is, again, we we mentioned previously that him and, and Tom Hanks kind of were in the same uh, ballpark for some roles. There's this comedy element. So it's like, a, again, there's probably 10 interchangeable roles, but I picked Anchorman. He plays a public news anchor. That is good. In the like fight scenes. It's just, it's shows that he had this like weird kooky humor he has range he has range like he played the stranger in tenacious d the pick of destiny and he's so fucking weird and strange and it's awesome it's like why would tim robbins do that and it's because he's awesome i agree so my final one of course like i said morgan freeman has one hell of a catalog dating all the way back to 64 when it comes to movies i had to pick drive you miss daisy yeah that's the first morgan freeman movie that i know it's phenomenal just the friendship that builds between her driver and in the end she starts getting dementia really bad but just like shawshank he is there for her wherever she needs to be he's there she's starting to go downhill he is the one that she remembers yeah so it was always good the one morgan freeman one that i had written down that uh you didn't mention that i'd probably swap out for maybe lean on me although lean on me sort of like the pick in anchorman for tim robbins because it represents that's what lean on me sort of is it represents Presents 10 different roles that Morgan Freeman played. I agree. So the one I'd swap out maybe be Glory, the that, uh, Civil War movie. See, I yeah. had a hard time between that and I will admit Lean on Me. So if I had to swap out one of yours, I would, it's hard as it would be, I would swap out Anchorman for Hudsucker Proxy. Yeah, yeah, Coen Brothers movie. Because I love yeah. Hudsucker Proxy because he's trying to develop a hula hoop. Yeah. And it's fucking weird, but it's also fucking amazing. Yeah, I love that movie. Fantastic. Movie. It's so out there for the time. Yeah. Yeah. That movie, I, the reason I probably, I love that movie, but I probably wouldn't put Tim Robbins is just because that movie is more of a result of like the entire environment, you know, okay. not as much as like Tim Robbins singular performance, but kind of just like the whole thing. He holds up the paper went, circle. You, you create, <laughs> we've already created a circle. <laughs> Let's get back in the pool. Not spending too much time on the pool check. Prison escape. Everybody back in the prison pool. Our critical question. So I promised it earlier. I'm excited for this. You didn't know? You said you were saving it. I am, but I don't know if you know what's coming. Okay. The role of Andy Dufresne was offered to Tom Hanks. Oh! Tom Hanks turned it down to be Forrest Gump. Interesting. For which he won Best Actor. Then I have to ask... Who would have been Forrest Gump? Well, we're going to talk about that in a second. All right. We literally talked during Bachelor Party when Kalenich and Shane were on. We talked about how Tim Robbins and, and Tom Hanks were a little bit interchangeable in the, in the 80s. So it's interesting that Tom Hanks was going to be, you know, for Tim Robbins here. Jim, I'm asking you to provide your alternate revisionist history if Tom Hanks would have been in Shawshank. So let me give you mine first. Okay. Mine. Tom Hanks would have done Shawshank. He would have not won Best Actor, and Shawshank still would not have won Best Picture. I have Sean Penn would have won Best Actor for Forrest Gump, Oh. and it would have still won Best Picture. The other wow. candidate I would have had, and he wasn't considered, was Michael Keaton would have played Forrest Gump. Ooh. But Sean Penn was considered for Forrest Gump. and I, I could see Sean Penn. Sean Penn is Forrest Gump, and it still would have won Best Picture. And then Tom Hanks would have not been in Green Mile, but Tim Robbins would have. And then in both universes... Tim Robbins still wins an Oscar for Mr. River for Best Actor. See, I could see Tim Robbins going into Green Mile, but winning for Green Mile. I don't know who won that year off the top of my head, so it's interesting, but... To be completely, now here's what I, my thought. If you're taking out Tim Robbins for Tom Hanks for Shawshank, yeah. I think Tom Hanks wins Best Actor for Shawshank. 
even because Tom Hanks is a better actor, you think? I don't know if it's a better actor. Don't get me wrong. I think Tim Robbins is perfect for this yeah. role. Yes. Excellent. I just think name branding and slightly more gravitas. I think Tom Hanks barely gets it. I know. I think the role of Forrest Gump was going to win best actor. Regardless. It could have been fucking Adam Sandler. <laughs> and I think, <laughs> I think he would have. because. <laughs> Yeah, because I don't think there's enough, not that there's not enough to the Andy Dufresne character, but I mean, he's got not a ton of dialogue, but what he does have is meaningful. Think about the character of Forrest Gump. That was like, that is a complex 1000% was going to win best actor as long as somebody didn't go in and completely shit on it. True. So whether it was Sean Penn or what if Tim Robbins was Forrest Gump? See, I can't see it, which is weird because they're again, they're a little bit interchangeable, but I cannot see Tim Robbins as Forrest Gump. Maybe I can. I don't know. If Tim Robbins was Forrest Gump, he would have won best actor for Forrest Gump. The choice is there. So Tom Hanks decides to take Shawshank over Forrest Gump. Yeah. Save Zemeckis goes, hey, Tom, they're close. Tom and Robert Zemeckis are friends. Do you have anybody in mind? I would like to have your opinion, your expert opinion. Hello, Adrian Smed. Adrian Smed. (laughs) (laughs) Calls it in. He's like, thank you, little demon. (laughs) I, so what would have happened to Shawshank with Tom Hanks is more people would have saw it. More eyes would have been on it. So it would have made more money. It may have picked picked up steam i just think and not to spoil our episode here inevitably in a year when we cover eventually all five movies and do our awards episode i just can't imagine anything beating forrest gump that year i I mean it just it's such it's a historically relevant movie because it puts forrest gump in these historical places it's oscar bait yeah i mean it is it is such it's not the best movie of 1994 but it is oscar bait it is the, the performance of playing a mentally challenged or, you know, what later would probably be realized as autistic. Yeah. You know, absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yes. But it is written right for that. That is everyone's dream is to be in Forrest Gump. Think about this, though. Say Gump doesn't come out in 94, it comes out in 95. Does Tom Hanks take this role as Shawshank and then also well, yeah. does Forrest Gump? Yeah, so that Holy shit. He could have almost done both in 94. He would have done Philadelphia, Shawshank, Forrest Gump. And he would have got dual nominations. Wow. He probably would have been nominated for uh, Shawshank and Forrest Gump. I would have been one insane. for Forrest Gump. God damn. Yeah. All right, let's move on to some logic. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. Should have allowed nature to take its course. I think Wahlberg should have been Forrest Gump. Hey, Rad, how's it going? Where's Brooks? I want to make a library. I like books. Or, for, or Forrest Gump. <laughs> hey, Jenny. Hey, Jenny. Stupid is stupid does. So first, how Annie managed to dig for 19 years without ever getting caught, even on accident. I was going to say that. How does nobody... I don't care how soft that fucking rock is. That rock could be wet clay. I mean, you got to think the guards... They got every once in a while. They got a patrol, and they don't look in his cell, and he's not in there. And at first, Hadley fucking hated Andy. And then two, this is all part of the same one. When he gets in the hole to dig, how does he stick the poster back to the wall to cover the hole? It's a good point. How do you stick the poster? Because there's going to be a draft, and that bottom of that poster is going to flims up a bit. Yeah, I don't know how he re-sticks it to the like to make it not fall. I don't think gum. Or that poster never falls on accident one day. Yeah. Guard well. walks by a little breeze. Oh, shit. You know, sticky tack. Like, how's how's it not fall off the wall? There's just it the odds. And imagine what would have happened the fallout if, <laughs> like, whoops. Uh, <laughs> hey, buddy, you got a 10-foot <laughs> hole in the wall there. Like, this isn't my cell. Whoa. Isn't <laughs> whoa. this great? <laughs> isn't uh, this great? I, I just, it's so bizarre that there's, that he dug a hole for 19 years. And I'm led to believe it. Maybe, I don't know how you feel, that he was done with the tunnel much sooner i think he then he escaped i don't know when he finished it but i get the feeling that he had finished the tunnel much sooner i think he was the money laundering he was getting enough of a nest egg set up i think that that's true too and i think that in a way he was like red where he was adjusted to life in prison he was institutionalized and he had no reason to escape yet 
because he had nothing to, to leave to. It wasn't until the shit with Tommy and finding out, you know, the the true who killed his wife. That was the stuff. straw that broke the camel's back. And then at that point, all he had to wait for was a storm. That was it. Because I don't know. When you look at the distance, he crawls through the tunnel. 500 yards. Well, through the sewage pipes. Oh, yeah. 500 yards through the sewage pipes. The tunnel, I think, is only maybe 20 feet. Yeah. Would have sucked if he had a cell on the other side of him because he had to go through <laughs> another cell. How did he know? That's the no thing, idea. too. How did he know that the tunnel would come out to where it did? Unless he had red get access to the fucking blueprints. I mean, he wasn't anybody. a library. But he was in the library. True. Yeah, because what if he had dug a fucking hole and then it came out into fucking warden's office or oh, hey, into, it's the uh, safe. Yeah, into the bathroom or something? Hey, watch out, asshole. So I have one. It's a graceful type one. They age questionably. Yes. They slow down age. Yeah. And they just add maybe hints of gray in their hair. That's about it. I mean, Andy doesn't age at all. Yeah. Except they put bifocals on him, add a little bit of gray. Well, but 19 I, years have passed. I would say he goes from probably 30 to 50. You age quite a bit from 30 to 50. But you're going to age even more being in fucking prison. And you're in prison eating sulfurous food. Yeah, with maggots. Yeah, yeah, with literal maggots. Yeah, gruel. I have one that I'm surprised you missed. How does Andy trust that no one would find the money in the letter he left at the Rockwall? Oh. He legitimately fucking puts a couple 50s with some a bunch of money in it in a letter and then just covers it up with a volcanic rock. First, how how would Red find this? He I mean, didn't he knew where the fucking map. He knew where the wall was, but it's like he just had to walk until he found a volcanic rock. And then Red used the money to go to Andy. That was his bus ticket money. But what if somebody had been like, holy shit, I found a hundred bucks. Fuck and, you, Andy. And then they left the letter, but not the money. Yeah. What would Red would have had to do? What? He was probably making $2 an hour at the grocery store. Not hitchhike. even. He would have had to hitchhike or something. And the whole plan would have fallen apart. It's just the idea that Red has enough trust in this rock wall where he fucked his wife. <laughs> that he that no one would find this letter it's just the the clues black volcanic rock the oak tree that s sticks out and it's true that tree just is out of fucking yeah. nowhere but still how is he gonna know to walk a three mile path to find this wall yeah, come weird. on all right let's move on to legacy so that oak tree that you mentioned where andy leaves the letter for red had become a symbol of hope for many and thousands of tourists would visit that tree each year until the tree was struck by lightning in 2000 16 or 17 ah, shit and then they cut it down the following year but people still go to that site and they leave rock hammers and all kinds of shit you think they'd leave a plaque or something maybe placard the real shawshank mansfield reformatory here in mansfield ohio about 100 miles west from where we're sitting right now has become a destination spot it's estimated that mansfield reformatory brings in about 16 million dollars annually to the area that's insane the mansfield reformatory was actually scheduled to be torn down before this movie was filmed there, but it never got torn down even still because of its landmark status. And now things from the movie, like the tunnel that they dug, can still be seen as it was left. It's also similar in other filming locations such as Sandusky, Ashland, and St. Croix. This place was like condemned and going to be torn down, but somehow... Frank Darabont or whoever Castle Rock was like, hey guys, before you tear that down, can we use this? Can we use it? So they were able to use it relatively cheap. And honestly, it provides such a great setting. Have you gone there at all? I've been past it. I've, I've never, never been. Went. I yeah. know Meg CH has went. Sometimes they have the haunted house and the, the ghost, ghost hunts. Yeah, ghost hunts. You can stay overnight in it and, and stuff. And uh, yeah. And then uh, there are publications that have the Shawshank Redemption as the greatest movie of all time. It's been number one on IMDb as ranked by users since 2008. Where would this rank? Is this in your top five? No, not my top five. Top 10. No. Really? Yeah. Very good movie. Just, uh, this would probably be my number five. It's very good. I like it a lot. And I like, I like Stephen King a lot. I think that, you know, this is an example of, of what can happen when Stephen King's work is adapted by the correct people. I agree. By people who are big Stephen King fans, not people just looking to the stand. Yeah. Which is a hundred times failed. Ugh. Yeah, no, it's, it's a very good movie. It's a movie I like a lot and you know, it's in my top 50 maybe, but maybe one of these seasons for the 10 movies we should do your top five, my top five. That'd be something. That'd be interesting. It's interesting because with us doing the Oscar movies of, you know, 1994 Oscar movies, we've now knocked out Pulp Fiction and Shawshank. We still have Forrest Gump, which 
is going to be something mm-hmm. when we cover it. But then it's quiz show and four weddings and a funeral. Four weddings and a funeral should be interesting. Quiz show, I love quiz show. Quiz show is fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's not Shawshank, Pulp Fiction, or Forrest It's Gump. not. It's a great movie that's not on that level. And uh, But four weddings and a funeral will be interesting. And then I would say when we do the awards show, and, and we'll cross this bridge when we come to it, maybe we include other 1994 movies as well. Just because like Hoop Dreams. Yeah, it's iconic. And some of the other ones that I said were, uh, that just missed the cut. But uh, yeah, we'll talk about that later. First, stick around for some plugs. Tonight on A Double Fresh Prince, Will's father returns. I'm going to go with him. And Will goes to Philadelphia. Well, when are you coming back then? I'm not. A special hour of Fresh Prince, NBC Tonight. Pool Sceners, once again, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the Pool Scene Podcast. And as always, like, comment, subscribe, rate, and follow Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. Smash that like button with unbridled enthusiasm and make sure you spread the word of the Pool Scene Podcast to one and all. Go over to Facebook at Pool Scene Podcast. Join the Pool Sceners group. You guys want to win some free stuff? Maybe make a suggestion about an episode or two? Let us know. Join today. Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast and TikTok. We're trendy with the kids, y'all, at Pool Scene Pod One. And as always, thank you, thank you, thank you. And now back to Kevin. Final app guy. Yeah! The final lap! Thanks, final app, buddy. He loves Shawshank. Jim, you finally watched Inglorious Bastard. Oh, I fucking loved it. Watch it with my dad. Yeah. My dad's seen it a couple times. My dad loves this movie. Watching it with my dad is so enjoyable because he knows what's coming. Yeah. I have no idea. And when he just fucking, when shit starts popping off, my dad's just like, oh shit. (laughs) Just fucking crazy. That movie, because like I've said before, I watched Pulp Fiction. Never been a Tarantino guy. Just like, I don't get it. Pulp Fiction got to open my eyes. But this, holy shit, was this good. And the thing that blows my mind is this movie came out 13 years ago now. Yeah. Which is even crazier, but some of these characters, they have such as like Hugo Stiglitz. Everybody oh, knows Stiglitz. And he gets his gets, own theme song. He gets knocked off in a basement yeah. and fucking the three thing, the three with the hands. That's the best thing. My dad loved that scene so much. That He's scene's- like, you see, you see what he did? You see what he did? What? What? So this the movie has so much tension because it, it opens with the guy that has Jews living in his under his floorboards. Yeah, which is great. And Hans Landa, who's a fucking oh, evil bastard. Waltz. So manipulative. And, and he gives an incredible performance for which he won best actor but he hasn't poured the milk and like the cigarette he knows they're there the whole time but he plays it just to be an asshole asking the guy all these questions and just watching him and then so he shoots all the people under the floorboards and shoshana Darts runs off. away and he goodbye Shoshana and yeah. he's happy that's how we start yeah just the build up so you get the perspective of the bastards mm-hmm. who are out capturing and scalping Nazis oh, fucking Eli Roth is the bear Jew <laughs> yeah. oh the man bear Jew and there's love it if you ever get a chance read some of the people that are supposed to be the bear Jew it's pretty funny <laughs> they carved the swastika in all the Nazis heads I love the fact that he says you're gonna take that S I don't yeah. want you to ever take it off yeah. I want people to know who you are yeah out of the Apaches fucking fantastic Fuck. now accent then though when you get to operation kino oh you have mike myers four. mike myers talking oh. to michael fassbender and tells him what operation kino is so basically they're supposed to pose as what italian stuntmen <laughs> and go to the <laughs> uh the nazi movie premiere yeah, which is a small theater it's just on a small theater but that basement scene in a fucking basement they're just there to hammer out the details of the plan and they're having a conversation no pop- one's supposed to be there. And it pops off. Except, is it Wilhelm? What's yeah. his name? Is there because of the birth of his son. Exactly. So they get the day off. Maximilian. S- yeah. Still not, shouldn't be, you know, the end of things. Except one guy sitting in the that corner. Nazi SS piece of shit. Who can recognize accents. And he's real suspicious of Michael Fassbender's accent. Has a great English accent in yeah. this movie. Yeah. But he tells him, he's like, I recognize you, Munich. I recognize you. Yeah, like, he can pick out the accents. But then they have a standoff where they all have guns pointed at each other. But he gives himself up with the three thing. Because Germans use a different hand sign for three. They use three. the index, the middle finger, and the thumb. Tres Gleza. 
yep. gives himself away. And that's when Aldo and the other bastards have to go into the premiere. Arrivederci. <laughs> I love the fact I, that he thinks I he's the most. I speak the most Italian. <laughs> he uh, still has a Southern accent. Dominic de Coco. Very good. <laughs> and he does the hand thing, the chef's yeah, kiss. And Hans Landa knows they're yeah. lying. He knows who they are. Yeah. But he keeps antagonizing by saying, Again, with some music. <laughs> Dominic to co- like I love yeah, it. It's so good. God damn. And then they fucking, you know, spoiler, but they fucking blow Hitler away. They shoot him repeatedly in the face. With a machine gun. Love it. As the uh, entire Nazi party burns down. I love the fact that Lando works on that plan. He's like, listen, you got to get the four to win the war. Yeah. And he he calls Aldo's fucking boss saying, I want this, 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 and this. And in the end, guess what, fucker? I've been chewed out before. I can deal with that. (laughs) It's so good. Yeah, it's such a such a great movie. It's excellent. I don't know exactly when it'll be released, but catch us on the Midnight Movie Night podcast. That's right. We are actually we, recording that tonight. Too. Yeah, we joined Kevin and Megan to talk about Problem Child 2. Which was interesting after rewatching that. Which shares a director with Jingle All the Way that we covered for our Christmas special. That's right. So yeah, catch us on there. Yeah, and that's I mean that's pretty much all I got. It's kind of uh you know the the new year started out pretty good for me and then kind of took a nosedive. We uh yeah just <laughs> the shitty logistics of the world we live in now and COVID and and the school district my kids go to they don't have enough educators right now. They don't have enough teachers. They're all out. And then in certain states you have they're so desperate for teachers and substitutes that they're literally if you're 18 years old and have a high school diploma they will hire you as a substitute. At that point, are you not just a babysitter? Pretty much. So why? I can add. Why even? They're not teaching. At that point, they're babysitting. And what is the benefit? There's no benefit. It's just, it's a very scary time right now. Well, one thing I want to bring up real quick before we send it off into the next episode. Bob Saget. God damn it. Yeah. Fuck. We, Betty White on New Year's and now Bob Saget 65. We had three in a week. Three beloved icons yeah. in a week. We had Betty White, John Madden, and Fuck Bob Saget. Bob Saget. Yeah. They just found him in a hotel room. Yeah. No drugs, nothing involved. 65. Just, yeah. that was it. Yeah. No, uh, they're not taking the bad people. They're taking the, uh, the, gr- the great ones. Yeah, they're, they're just. It's like Bob Saget, of course, Danny Tanner. And I'll, we also remember him from America's Funniest Home Videos. Oh, Kicked yeah. it off with that. But I'll never forget getting into my teenage years and seeing Bob Saget at stand up Danny Tanner's fucking talking about fucking and all yeah. this other oh thing. yeah he's a very dirty comedy he's dirty as shit and it was mm, fucking mind blowing yeah watch the uh, the comedy documentary called the aristocrats with, oh it's uh, the best with Bob Saget and um, Gilbert Godfrey and a, a bunch of others hey, rest in power Bob Saget we'll miss you bud alright uh, well next week it's gonna be a surprise what we do yep But until then, see you later, assholes.